Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Amen. So today we're in the final part of the teaching series, The Bottom Line. Uh, Next week, we're going to start a new series, which will run for three weeks, that is called This is Amazing Grace. And what we're going to do is this. Next Sunday, uh, a good friend of mine of over 50 years, he is old as opposed to myself, (laughs) all right, we met in college 50 years ago, 51 years ago, Ian Jennings. Ian is going to be with us, and uh, Ian is going to talk about grief and grace. Uh, He went through the very painful experience a couple of years ago, uh, and his family did, of watching his wife with a brain tumor uh, really just um, slowly die, Um, and then dealing with the grief of losing his wife. Uh, And he's going to talk about grief and grace. He's written a, a very good book, which is called By a Departing Light, talks about his story and draws from it how God has helped and what he's learned about grieving. So if you know anyone, you know, particularly who, who right now might be in that process of grieving, I want to encourage you to bring them with you, encourage them to come next Sunday. And the truth is, this is stuff that's part of all of our lives in one way or another. And so that's going to be really good teaching. So he's going to speak next week on grief and grace. The following week, I'm going to talk about I once was lost. And then the week after, I'm going to talk about grace will lead me home. Uh, And the main thing is this, to get our eyes on the fact that everything we are blessed with is by the grace of God. Human effort does not come into our salvation. Human effort does not come into staying right with or connected to or loved by God. It's all the grace of God, and it is absolutely glorious. Anyway, that's a few weeks' time. Let's talk about the bottom line. One of the things when I was growing up in our house was my, my mother was very rigid when it came to bedtime when we were kids. I can understand it. She had four who were under five years old. She wanted to get rid of us. I totally understand that. I, I get that. And, and then as we got older, she was big on curfews. I did not like that. I could not understand that. I remember, I remember it, was, it was the summer of 1968. I graduated high school. I was getting ready to go to college. I had to be home by 10.30 at night. I did. I did. Okay. You teenagers are going to hate me for this, but there you go. 10.30 at night, I had to be home. And, and, and I saw, you know, oh, man. We lived in a little brownstone, and the living room was on the front of the house. And, and I'd be coming home, you know, about 10.40 or 10.45, and I'd be walking through the narrow streets, and I'd come, and I'd turn the corner to come into our street, and I'd look over towards our house to see if the, if the light was out, she'd gone to bed. But truth is, she hardly ever went to bed early. But, but I could hope, right? So I'd turn the corner, the light would be on, and I'd think, uh-oh. And normally it was pretty straightforward. You're 15 minutes late tonight, you'll be in 15 minutes earlier tomorrow. 
I remember one night, I, I mean, I'm, it's a, like I said, it's the summer, I'm going to college. And I go in and she's, you're late again. And, and, and I said, well, yeah, n- not long. You got your time, you're meant to be here on your time. And said, like, mom, really? All my friends, you know, none of them have got curfews. I've been to church. Church don't run this long. She'd never been to our church. No, but it, <laughs> I said, no, but we hang out afterwards, and we talk, and we, you know, and, uh, uh, and uh, I said, you know what, Mom, I, I just don't get it. I'm, I'm 18 years old. I'm going to college soon. I don't see why I've got to be in at 1030. And then there was that little pause. And she looked up at me, and she didn't raise her voice, but she gave the answer that quashes every argument. Because I'm your mother, and I said so. That was it. That was it. I'm your mother, I said so. And that was the bottom line. And you know what? You've got to have that in Family life. You've got to have somebody who says what the bottom line is, and it can't be the six-year-old who never wants to go to bed or whatever else. There's got to be somebody who says, this is how we do things here. This is how things are. And that goes right through the whole of life. And what we've been doing over the last few weeks is just looking at the whole thing of, you know, what is the bottom line for us then in life as a whole? My mother's not telling me what I should do anymore, although the values she put in me are still very, very much a part of my values. But the truth is, now I'm out from that influence, what is my bottom line? And a long time ago, I decided that the Bible was going to be the bottom line for my life. Psalm 119 and verse 20 says this, what I want most and at all times is to honor your laws. It's talking about the Bible as it was in the time this psalm was written. What I want most and at all times is to honor your laws. It's a commitment to say, God, This is what I'm going to live by. So whether I'm here, whether I'm at home, whether I'm at a game, whether I'm playing with the grandchildren, or the younger ones, that is, I want to be a person whose life and whose attitudes are directed by what this says. What's the bottom line? This is my bottom line. And I want to tell you, in the years since I've sought to live by that, it actually works, and it's pretty good. I want to share four things with you this morning about making the Bible work for you. Because what I've been trying to convey over these last few weeks, one of the things is the Bible isn't just a book that sits that we're meant to read. The Bible is way more than that for us. And if we will actually take what it says, live by what it says, use what it says, apply what it says, it's going to make a difference in our lives. So, number one, the Bible works for you when you build on it. The most uninteresting part of construction is the foundation. But the fact is, the stronger the foundation 
the bigger the building that you're able to build. And if we make the foundation, the Bible, the foundation for our life, our choices, our decisions, our life is going to be stronger. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, a solid foundation. If we build our lives on the rock of truth, then you know what? We are going to be rock solid throughout. But if we build on other things, we could be all over the place. And most people build their lives on pretty much shifting foundation. You can't build your life on popular culture. What's kind of the standard of the day? What's the way of the day? Hey, one of the greatest blessings of life and one of its greatest challenges is raising children, isn't it? Incredible responsibility and an incredible blessing. Did you know the Bible tells us a lot about that? Now, if you look into popular culture or the world around us, it'll tell us all kinds of weird and wonderful things we need to do so that we don't mess with the little darlings. Or if you want to go into another era, uh, another area, if you were to look at kind of just modern thinking, the popular culture of the day, the popular culture of the day is to look at something that's advertised on the TV and to listen to them when they say, you deserve. And we tell ourselves, I do. I do. I am 69 years old. I deserve a Lexus. <laughs> and they will make that possible for me. All I've got to do is pay, Lord knows what, every month. I don't have to have a lot of money. I've just got to pay that. And, and it's nothing down. That's good because I've got nothing. And, and you know what? They so want me to have what I deserve. There's nothing to pay for three months. That is wonderful. So you say to some of your friends, I'm thinking, I wonder if I should. You should do. You, it's time you did something for yourself. You deserve it. And you go and you get your car, and then you end up driving this car around. And by the time the new car smell is worn off, the first installment comes due, and you can't afford it. And suddenly, you're a slave to the thing that you're driving. The Bible says a lot about how to manage our money, how to use our money well, and how to make our money serve us instead of us being its servant. Listen, the Bible works for you when you build on it. Exodus 23, verse 2 says this, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. In, in Romans, the Apostle Paul uh, puts it this way. I love the way the message paraphrases it. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you 
develops well-formed maturity in you. You can't build on popular culture. And, and you can't build on tradition, like make decisions in your life by, well, this is the way we've always done things, and this is the way it's always been. But that doesn't mean to say it's the best way or God's way. Friday, keeping back to the date, Friday was the 21st anniversary of us starting our church. So, so this, is, this is the first Sunday of our 22nd year. Yeah, I was young then, Vicky. So this is the beginning of our 22nd year. And, uh, you know, one of, one of, the, things, one of the things that was uh, an ongoing battle for several years initially was we had a lot of folks who came alongside of us, uh, and they had suggestions as to how our church should be. Because we weren't like any other church they'd ever seen. And it seemed as if what they really wanted to do was to make us like some church they'd ever seen. Because uh, they didn't, a lot of folks don't like change in church. Five, the five most frequently used words in a dying church are, we've never done it this way before. Actually, that's seven, but anyway, we'll pretend it's five. All right, we never did it this way before. We never did it this way before. So, you know what? What if we did it this way? What if we tried this? And sometimes I'd say, why are you trying to make our church into the church you just left because you didn't like it? Ooh. But, but really, really. And, and one of the things that's been a, you know, one of the things that re really is, has been for us as a church, and still is, a very important thing is that we got to be constantly thinking and rethinking, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do this? And we don't necessarily, you know, what we were doing 10 years ago and the way we we're doing is not necessarily what we need to do today, nor the way to do it today. And you know what? In your life, just because you've done things a certain way in the past doesn't mean to say it's the best way to do it now. Jesus said to the religious leaders in Mark 7 and verse 8, He said, you've let go of the commands of men and are holding on to human traditions. You've let go of the commands. I'm, I'm not doing good this morning, am I? Okay, just, you got the words up there. You've let go of the commands of God. Thanks, Jill. And are holding on to human traditions. You can't build your life on traditions, and you can't build your life on emotions. You'll be all over the place. You can't make your decisions based on, oh, here's what I think, here's what I feel, here's what I feel in this current moment. If you live your life by your feelings, you'll spend your days manipulated by your moods. That actually was good. You didn't seem to see it, but I will. I'm going to say it again. If you live... If you live your life by your feelings, you'll spend your days manipulated by your moods. Your feelings can't guide you. In fact, if we go by our feelings, if we go by what we think here, the, the, the danger is this. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know what that means? We're messed up. And if I say, well, I think this is good, I feel this is good, I'm, I'm really feeling that this. And sometimes, you know, often we've got to recognize that the feelings that come from our heart might be passing feelings, might be incorrect feelings, and our hearts can absolutely mess with us. The Bible works for you when you build on it. 
Secondly, the Bible works for you when you feed on it. I went through this wonderful period just at, well, it wasn't really wonderful, it was awful, just after I'd had my heart surgery uh, in the early summer, and what was good about it, I couldn't eat. <laughs> Never happened in my life before. I had no appetite. And uh, I used to have a nurse come to the house a couple of times a week, and she would say, how's your appetite? I said, not good. Uh, what did you eat yesterday? I'd say, well, you know, I had a couple of saltines and a little piece of cheese and this, this. And she'd say, well, why don't you try some fruit, some blueberries? I'd say, yuck. Now, I love blueberries. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? I, I, I didn't want, and she said, Roger, here's the thing. You've got to eat because you've got to build your strength back up. And some days, you know, God bless Jill through the whole thing, but She'd be saying, why not have this? Why not try that? Why not, you know, I'll make you this. I mean, no. No. Except for one afternoon when Charlotte turned up with, with ice cream from Roger's Frigate down port, and it was peanut butter flavored. I'm not, that was good. That was good. But apparently that's not the kind of stuff that really builds you up when you're weak. But it, it, that was good. Because we, we need to eat to strengthen ourselves. The Bible is called meat, it's called milk, it's called water. And the fact is this, we need to feed off the Bible in order to strengthen ourselves. And the fact is this, it's on each one of us to do that. Now, in the course of a normal week, because we're creatures of habit, Jill and I will eat out twice most weeks. We go and eat brunch after church on Sunday, and usually because I take Friday as a quieter day, we'll go out to lunch on Friday. That's it. The rest of the time, we make meals at home. Now, imagine this. Imagine like, yeah, well, you know, I can't be bothered to make any meals. Imagine if the only meals I had in a week were the ones that I sat in, in, in a restaurant and ate at lunch on Friday and lunch on Sunday. You think I'd be feeling particularly good? No. I want to tell you this, you cannot survive on what you get fed here on a Sunday morning, right? I mean, this in the grand scheme of things, this is your Sunday restaurant, right? You didn't prepare it and you don't clean up after, right? So this is the Sunday, so, but the reality is this, we've got to get into the place where we know how to feed ourselves through the rest of the week. The Bible works for us when we feed on it. So, how do you feed on it? Well, we, we start with this. We start with here today by listening to it. Romans 10 and verse 17. So, then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's important to be here because we do get fed spiritually on a Sunday morning. It's important to make your being here a priority in your life. It's important as well when you're here to really be, when, when I or somebody else is teaching, to be really as engaged as you can be. Now, I know you can't concentrate forever uh, if, you know, the whole span of however long I teach, which isn't long really, and, and I, know, I know you can't concentrate fully but, but I want to encourage you, you know, when Scriptures are on the screen, you know, take a good look at them and, and, and really make sure you're getting a hold of them. Be attentive. 
Sometimes you could listen again. I do that most Sunday nights. I listen to my teaching on Sunday mornings. And I look, and the first thing I think is, you shouldn't have worn that, Rog. <laughs> and then I listen and think, what did I say that for? And, 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 but I listen through, and we've got the ability now to do that. You feed on the Word by listening to it. Secondly, you feed on God's Word by reading it. And we've been encouraging you to do that over the last few weeks. God spoke to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, and He said this, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, look at the next bit, then you will be prosperous and successful. How do you make the Bible work for you? Prosperous, successful. You know how I do it? I meditate. I think about what God says, what God is saying. And God's Word is my regular companion. We'd mentioned last week, for some of you who perhaps don't have a Bible, or the only Bible you've got is in written in English that they stopped speaking about 400 years ago. And uh, if that's you, we, we did order some more copies of the message, which is not a word-for-word -word translation of the Bible. It's not an accurate scholarly translation, but it's a paraphrase, which means it gives the gist of the whole thing. So, if you wanted a message Bible, we've got those there. For those of you who are heavy into saying, I want to get into studying it, there's someone actually donated uh, a handful of really good study Bibles at the front desk, okay? Please don't trample people on your way to get those. Read it. By the way, I'll, I'll say this now so that I, in case I forget it later. What I, what I want to suggest to you, if you're saying, well, where, where am I going to start? Maybe this week you'd want to start. Psalm 121 is my favorite psalm. So since I'm the preacher and I'm, I'm giving it out, I can pick, right? Psalm 121 and then take a psalm a day through 127 next Saturday. There's some fantastic stuff in those verses. Listen to it. Read it. Research it. How do you feed on the Bible? Well, sometimes sit down for a little bit and actually have a good look at it. Or, or if you get hooked on a particular verse that talks about something like grace, some Bibles have little notes uh, in, in, in the margins that will show you where there's some other verses about grace. Have a look at it. Maybe write some notes and journal a little bit. Spend a little time just thinking about it. When Jill and I got married, we, um, we were both tea drinkers. But back then, <clears throat> uh, we didn't have tea bags. We may have had them, but they were expensive. So we used loose tea. So you had a teapot, your china teapot, and you boiled your water, you put the loose tea into the teapot, and then you put the water in and you just let it steep, right? Now, there's only prob one problem when you make a pot of tea. It's basically going to be one strength. Now, Jill likes her tea unbelievably weak, really. So, if you just, you know, it's like, yeah, let's put a little bit of tea in, let's let it sit for 10 seconds. Oh, look at that, that's good tea. No, it's not. It's water that's barely colored. <laughs> I like my tea dark brown. But the trouble is, if you make it in a pot, you can't get that. So I started drinking coffee, and that worked well for me most of my life. If you just kind of Bible reading, bomb, bomb. 
Let's let it steep for 10 seconds and then I'm off. But sometimes it's good to read the Bible and just let it steep for a while. Because you know what happens when you let tea and the boiling water steep for a while? The water changes because after a little while, what she drinks is, is water. But after a little while, it's not water anymore. It's tea. And if we will let God's Word just sit with us for a little bit, it becomes part of us. Let the, Bi the Bible works for you when you feed on it. Number three, the Bible works for you when you live by it. It works for you when you live by it. Bible's going to do nothing for you sitting down there. Right? The Bible's going to work for me when I live by it, when I make my decisions by it, when I make my choices by it. Psalm 1 and verse 1 says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates in it day and night. Listen, God's Word will give you hope in a crisis. It will give you comfort in despair. It will give you strength when you're weak. It'll give you wisdom when you are confused. It'll give you guidance when you're looking for direction, and it'll give you strength to resist temptation. Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the way in which we make God's Word work for us is we determine that we will live by what we know of God's Word in our hearts. In fact, I totally believe a statement I read by Rick Warren that says this, the only Bible we really believe is, what is the bits of the Bible we do. Right? If I'm ignoring parts of it, I really don't believe it. Because if I believe that's what God says, Lord, I'm going to do it. If I'm not doing it, obviously I don't believe enough in it. We need to live guided by the values of God's Word. It's one thing to say, I'm going to build my life on the Word. The next step is to say, on a day-by-day -day basis, I'm going to make decisions guided by what God says, which takes me into the third thing, which, or the fourth thing, which is this. The Bible works for you when you act on it. James 1 verse 22, do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Did you ever sit here on a Sunday morning and whether it's through the time when we're worshiping God in, in song or, 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 or through the preaching, when, when kind of something comes to your mind, to your heart, that says, you know what, I need to do this. Did, you ever, did that ever happen? Right? I don't mean rake leaves this afternoon. I mean spiritual stuff, right? And, 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 and I'm going to guess that that very, very often is going to be God speaking to us. But it's so easy then to walk out those doors and to let go of what God has said to us. We listen to God's Word, but we didn't do it. And it only works for us when we, there you go, when we work it. Lord, you read this? Right? It only works when you work it. So, as I pull things in just now, here's what I simply want to ask you. What is God saying to you that this week you need to work on?
What is God saying to you that today you need to say, yes, Lord? What has He been telling you to let go? But today needs to be the day we're going to let it go. What has He been asking you to do that today's the day? You need to say, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Because here's the thing. The Bible will only work for you if you build on it, feed on it, live by it, and act on it. Let's pray together.